This week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. You cheated on me! (laughs) That was funny. Hello and welcome to Buff the Gilmore Slayer. I'm Brian Morris. I'm Stacey Kulo, and we're both comedians. And a couple. And I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Which is a show that I love, but I've never seen Gilmore Girls, one of Stacey's favorite shows. So we're watching both shows together all seven seasons, comparing them as we go. And this week we watched season three, episode 11 of both shows, starting with Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Gingerbread. As well as Gilmore Girls, I solemnly swear. I still don't get why it's called that. Because she does a deposition? Mmm. Okay. Okay, okay. Just put a pin in that. Put a pin in that. I have a lot to talk about when we get there, okay. but I want to remember the title of the show. Got it. It's a lot. You're going to have your mind blown. Mm, okay. Well, I'm excited about that. We're halfway through the season, Brian. This was number 11 out of 22. It's crazy. Isn't it? Things are about to take off in Buffy. We've got some more five-star reviews, Brian. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Thank you to Maybe Rose, and thank you to Frosty the Champ for leaving us such kind words. Also, I have had a few people ask us how they can leave a review without Apple Podcasts, because not everyone uses an Apple device, Brian. Stop trying to tell us to only use Apple devices. Only use Apple, guys. (laughs) We both have iPhones. I do not use an Apple computer. Brian's Apple all the way. All the way. I fucked my machine. Oh, okay. But I did learn that- You were gone for a week. Yeah, I left again. I'm so sorry. I leave you alone to your devices. (laughs) But I did learn that you can leave a comment on CastBox if you're an Android user. So thank you so much to Amanda Perez for leaving us a nice comment on there. Yeah, thanks. If you leave a comment on CastBox, we'll also give you a shout out. Have you been up to anything cool, Brian? We played the the new Arkham Horror expansion, which was fun. Yeah, we've lost twice, though. Yeah, those gugs. Freaking gugs. A lot of gugs in the expansion, and they kicked our ass both times, but I had fun. I have a show coming up. I know. I'm excited. Much like you had a show at Caveat Theater via Squirrel Theater. I have one there in a couple weeks, July 19th at 7.30 p.m. And I'm going to have a single line in it. That's true. Maybe two. Maybe two lines, guys. Well, that'll be fun. If you're in New York City, let us know, and I'll tell you how to get there. I'll also put the info for that in the episode description. Yeah, that should be cool. Anything else up top? We watched Back to the Future 2. Kind of. This is like the third time this has happened to us, where we'll watch a movie, and we'll get like halfway through it, or almost to the end, like 20 minutes, but we're just like dead tired. And we're like, let's just go to bed, and we'll finish this tomorrow. But we'll end up having watched it on like the 30th or 31st, and then it gets taken off Netflix like that night, (laughs) so we don't get to finish the movie the next day. So we'll just never know how Back to the Future 2 ends. Back to the Future is a movie I absolutely loved growing up. I still think it's a great movie, but like the time travel in that movie does not make any kind of logical sense whatsoever. See Brian's Facebook page for a full breakdown. We also watched the beginning of the new Fear Street movie on Netflix. Yeah. I think we paused it to watch these two shows, actually. But weirdly, a lot of stuff from that movie had themes in Buffy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Witches. Yeah, and like things happening throughout time again and again. Yeah. Involving witches. I remember getting in trouble in my English class because I was secretly reading Fear Street Cheerleaders, The Third Evil. I remember reading it, and the teacher came over, and she grabbed the book from me, and she goes, you think I wouldn't see you reading this? And then she just started crying at her desk for the rest of class. Now, number one, I don't understand why she was upset that I was reading for fun in an English class. It's kind of like I should get a treat, you know? Like, yeah, like a little sucker. Yeah, like, hey, good, you're doing the thing. I get it. It was disrespectful. I was a kid. This was 
fourth or fifth fifth grade. But then her crying, I feel like she brought some baggage to this. Yeah, you know? I really want to know what's going on in her life. Yeah. That's the story here. Yeah, I don't know if her like husband cheated on her with a book or what, but like, <laughs> I don't think I caused all that. And then everyone looked at me like I did it. I was like, I'm sorry I broke the teacher. I didn't mean to do that. But it's kind of cool because the movie is showing the books that I actually read as a kid, which I liked. Okay, we're getting off topic. Okay, so let's uh, get into our shows. Before we start these episodes, I think we should talk about the elephant in the room here. Oh, you didn't let the elephant out? No. You could, do you want to get out? I'll yeah. open the door. We'll pause. Okay, he's out. <laughs> now we can talk freely. These episodes are, like, not known for being good episodes. It's true. These both have the lowest IMDb rating for any episode of either show this season. Buffy's and, is worse. <laughs> yeah. But it's funny because when I saw the title for this episode, I was like, wait, what is this one? Oh, yeah, this one's dumb. <laughs> say neither were awful but no they weren't good no actually i feel like this was maybe even better than some of the ones in season one that we didn't like oh yeah this is season two rather a way better episode than like reptile boy or the mantis one. Oh yeah but gilmore also isn't a great episode no again like not a lot wrong with it it's just kind of a dull there's no exciting plot lines at all yeah Really, all of it's just very vanilla. Yeah, and both were kind of funny, but they I've seen funnier episodes. But anyway, that's just kind of funny that they aligned that way. Mm-hmm. But this week, we started with Buffy. So, Stacy, tell us all about gingerbread. Sure. In this episode, Joyce suddenly takes an interest in Buffy's life, but this interest somehow morphs into her basically outing her daughter and her daughter's friends as witchcraft people to the entire town because of a Hansel and Gretel curse? Sure, yeah. Okay. Opens with Buffy's laying, pretty standard. Her tiny bangs are gone, thank God. And then Joyce shows up. She thought it was time she came out and watched Buffy slay, like it's a cross-country meet or something. She brought her a little sack lunch. I feel like there is a scenario where she could, like, make a plan with Buffy and be like, let's do this safely. I want to come watch you. I'll watch from a distance. We'll go together. But this is like wandering onto an active construction site without a hard hat. Yeah. Like, business is happening. You gotta not just walk in blind. Yeah, Buffy's trying to kill murderous monster demons. Like, you should not be walking anywhere by yourself right now. But Buffy's fighting a vampire who Joyce recognizes as Mr. So-and-so from the bank. Buffy goes to finish that guy off, and then Joyce notices two dead kids with culty tattoos on their hands. She doesn't take this well. The cops come. Joyce is having a really hard time with this because they're children. We've kind of established that in the band candy episode. She was like very hurt about the babies, Mm -hmm. which is odd because she doesn't give a shit about her own daughter, but she's like very, very hurt about children being hurt. Yeah, Joyce sucks. There's that scene where Joyce is like needs Buffy to like hold her after she sees the kids. And I'm like, Buffy's been through some real shit, Joyce. Like, just like pull on your big girl pants. Also, maybe you should have stayed home. Did you think any of this would be nice? Yeah. Yeah. She's like, who could have done this? Like that vampire dude you saw a second ago could have done this. Yeah. It's nice that she's trying to be supportive. I shouldn't totally shit on it, but. No, I hate her. Okay. Then I will also hate her. I know a lot of people like Joyce. And I just, hey, I just want you to know, if you are a big Joyce fan, just understand that you're wrong, okay? She sucks. Unless (laughs) that offends you, then we're sorry. (laughs) Don't stop listening. The next day at school, Buffy also suddenly really cares about her mom and wants to solve this case pretty much more than any other case ever since her mom's so shaken up about it. And way late into this convo with Giles, she tells him about the cult symbols. Yeah, I know. She's like, wait, there were cult symbols. Like, yeah, you should have told him that when you got there. Xander and Oz are together in the lunch line and things are pretty awkward between them. Hard to tell with Oz, though, if he's being awkward or just being Oz. That's true. That's true. But it's awkward for Xander. We know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amy the witch is back. 
Her and Willow join the boys for lunch, and Buffy's birthday's coming up again. They're trying to figure out what to do for that, which is tough. I mean, what do you get the girl whose previous birthday gift was sex so good it destroyed a vampire's soul? <laughs> gift card? I don't, I don't know. He had top last year. This was uh, the 90s, right? Yeah. 2000. Yeah, so definitely like a media play gift card. I don't even know what that is. Borders gift card. I do know what that is. Buffy joins them and just starts casually talking about last night's slaying adventures. Does Amy know? I mean, I guess she's aware that this group is magic adjacent, but does she know that like Buffy's a slayer and all that? I feel like she's got to know, right? Like she's cast spells with Xander and then... Giles helped them kill her mom, I think. And Giles helped them undo the love spell. So like, I feel like she's aware of this world, right? Yeah, okay. She's a safe space. There's some dogs freaking out in her neighborhood right now. I wish Michelle were here. Yeah. God. Michelle... We'll get to that later. And then Joyce shows up. Buffy tells her she's been in touch with Giles about the situation and that he thinks it might be cult stuff. Joyce is like, oh, cults, like witches. Which is very offensive to the two witches at the table. And Joyce knows that Willow's a bit of a witch, so it's kind of weird that she's just like, ew, witches. But she's even like, not you guys, I know you're cool witches. But now, I know she does suspect them of witchcraft pretty hard pretty soon in this episode, but like, she should maybe be a little bit concerned that they could be the ones doing this, don't you think? I mean, I don't think she understands witchcraft that much. I think she just thinks that they dabble in it. Sure. And Willow doesn't seem like the type of person who would kill children. No. But you'd think even before Joyce is like deep into this, she would be a little concerned. Yeah. And then Willow realizes her parents don't love her. (laughs) Joyce follows Buffy around school and asks why she seems embarrassed about hanging out with her. I'm like, Joyce, this is school time. Go to work. Yeah, you're the only mother hanging out at the cafeteria talking to her daughter. This is weird. This can wait till three, right? Yeah. And then Joy says she's told everyone she knows about this. And they've set up a vigil for tonight, and the mayor is coming. The mayor's coming. Okay. <laughs> Everyone's there, including Willow's tall, tall mom. Yeah, she's very tall and also very much not a part of Willow's life. She would love Dean. They're the same height. And then she notices that Willow got her hair cut like six months ago. Yeah. What, what is up with the moms not caring about their children in this town? Xander doesn't even have parents. But it, they just make it very clear she knows nothing about her daughter. She calls Buffy Bunny. Isn't that a joke from the Buffy movie? Doesn't her mom call her the wrong name or something? I don't remember. I feel like in the Buffy movie, Buffy's mom is like super checked out of her life. Yes. I don't think that's supposed to be how it is in the show. I think Joyce is supposed to be involved. Yeah. But she's not. Sure. And then Giles shows up, and he just really confirms for the audience that he's Bone Joyce. Like, it's just it's so uncomfortable between the two of them. Willow's mom's like, oh, I heard a rumor. And Giles is like, about us? She's like, no, no. About witches. She must be like a psychiatrist or something. Have we set that up? This whole episode, she's like trying to diagnose Willow. Yeah. And just speaking in very shrink terms. Apparently, she knows all about witches and the rising amount of teens that are taking an interest in this kind of stuff. And then the mayor speaks. Not really. He just sort of says, like, the catchphrase of this whole operation, which is never again, and says what a good town this is, and then introduces Joyce. So Joyce does a whole speech, and she tells the mayor that he's wrong, that this isn't a good town. It's a bad, bad town where people are dying and no one's doing anything about it, and everyone's just, like, blind to all the supernatural stuff. And, like, maybe she's right, though? She's 100% right. And it's weird because it's a lot like the speech we just heard in Fear Street. Yeah. (laughs) But she goes on too far. She's like, we got to stop the witches and the slayers. Yeah. She like says the town belongs to monsters and witches and slayers. And Buffy and Willow and Giles like can't believe she said this. Like, what are you doing, mom? But it's she's a little right. Like, we've explained a few things away with gas leaks. But at this point, you'd think people might be like, what's up with this town? Yeah, for sure. I I don't know. Like, do, do people wonder? I feel like that's where we're going with this season, that the town 
is becoming aware. You know, we have the whole new downtown set and the mayor. The mayor. Okay. But she says it's time to take the town back. They're going to find the people who did this and make them pay. And then we see that Amy is having a little witch party. Oh no, Amy, was this you? It's her and some dude who we later learned is named Michael, and Willow is there. That's not a big deal. They just witch stuff all the time, as long as we don't zoom out and see the very symbol that was on the children's hands. Yeah, it's really big. Willow. Was this, like, later in the evening? It wasn't meanwhile, because Willow was at both places. No, she's a witch. Michael, the witch boy, is getting picked on at school the next day. Buffy scares the bullies away, and Cordelia's like, don't hang out with these witch freaks. It only makes your life bad. Get it? I mean, like, me hanging out with you. And Buffy's like, shut up, Cordelia. Witches didn't do this. And Giles is just lurking the whole time behind them. He's like, actually, they probably did. I can't be sure. I need this book that Willow borrowed. So Buffy goes digging through Willow's stuff, and then she sees that symbol doodled in one of her notebooks. The cops are there. They're invading the school. They're searching all the lockers. Snyder's just got like a raging heart on about this. This is why he became a principal for this moment. Yeah. The cops are looking for witch stuff. Like they found Amy's spells. They find various witch ingredients in Willow's locker. And Buffy's like kind of suspicious of Willow at this point because of finding the symbol in her notebook. But Willow's trying to tell Buffy that she didn't do anything bad. It's just a harmless symbol that she was using to make a protection spell for Buffy's birthday. You know, so she doesn't get pregnant when she does her birthday boning. Yeah, right. Buffy believes her, I guess. She goes to find Giles. They're also raiding the library, taking all of his books. But I'm kind of thinking, yeah, maybe this stuff shouldn't just be on the shelves. Like, I know only two people have used the library in the last two years, but, like, maybe Larry shouldn't be stumbling across black magic when he finally does use the library someday. Yeah, a lot of these books shouldn't just be in circulation. Especially since he's got, like, a private cage for these kind of things, or his office. Why have them on the shelves? Giles is really pissed at Snyder. He calls him a twisted little homunculus. He tells him to get out and take his little marauders with him. Now this, Brian, is where it gets weird, okay? It was totally fine until right now. In Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. I do not know where we're going with this. Book three, the marauders map, which is a map that Harry finds where he can like see little people moving around the school. Uh-huh. And it was a map that was made by his dad and his friends. Right. Spoilers. This map works because of the homunculus charm. Mm -hmm. This is the Marauders Marauders map. It's just very weird that these two words that I only know from Harry Potter get thrown out within like 10 seconds of each other. Oh, let me get that straight. That's the map that they later find out that Peter Pettigrew is actually with them in the form of a rat. Yes. Which is also relevant. (laughs) And the way they get that map to work is by saying, I solemnly swear I am up to no good. Whoa, it's coincidence city right now. Right? And these words aren't related. Like, marauders means raiders, and homunculus means, like, a small, tiny man. So both make sense in this context. But they also are very linked in Harry Potter. Mm. But their meanings aren't, like, intrinsically linked outside of that. Also, that book came out after this episode. So it's not like this is stealing from Harry Potter. If anything, she watched this episode while she was writing the book. She's like, oh, I like all these words. This episode came out in January of 99. Her book came out in July of 99. I don't know when she would have finished it, but it's possible she got some stuff from this episode. J.K. Rowling, double canceled. I don't think the Gilmore Girls episode was out yet. I didn't even think about that until we started talking today. That's so weird, right? That is weird. I don't know. I don't know. That's that's all a lot, right? That I mean, is so weird. And and spoilers uh, for the rest of this episode, Amy becomes a rat. 
Yes. And so that's also connected. I don't know, guys. This is some serious stuff we've uncovered. Oh, I wonder if the next episode is also going to be part of the Harry Potter series. I didn't research if J.K. Rowling's a Buffy fan. I just feel like her book probably would have been done by the time. Or at least, like, you know, not to the point where she's figuring those little details out. The homunculus thing I could see her adding. Like, those words don't matter. But right. I don't know when you finish a book in relation to, like, when it gets published. Or I when mean, it- I think this is just a quinky dink, but it's a funny one. It's all huge, though. Yeah. I mean, the solemnly swear thing is... That's separately weird. But the homunculus and the marauders thing and the Peter Pettigrew thing is very weird. And there's a werewolf in this episode. I mean, every episode Oz is in. There's technically a werewolf. He just looks like Oz. Also weird, though. Yeah. So Giles is, like, kind of threatening Snyder. He's like, "Uh uh-uh, if you're mean to me, you'll have to answer to Moo, which is mothers opposed to the occult, this new group founded by Joyce. Buffy can't believe it. Meanwhile, Willow's mom is, like, trying to diagnose her, I guess. She kind of doesn't care that she's, like, witch-curious. She's more mad about the fact that she's dating a musician. And Willow's just trying to get her mom to, like, I don't know, love her, pay attention to her. Well, I mean, I don't think this is a cry for help at all, because her mother didn't care. No, her mom thinks that she's delusional, and that, like, her saying she can do spells is, like, a call to be punished. I don't know why Willow's not like, well, I'll show it to you right now. Well, she starts saying all the things she can do. I know, but I'd be like, just let me show you. If I can't do it, then you're right. Yeah. So she grounds her. She tells her she's not allowed to see Bunny again. Which she never technically does. Yeah, I wondered if they were going to make that joke. Like, okay, I won't see my friend Bunny. But meanwhile, Joyce is saying Buffy isn't allowed to see Willow anymore. Buffy's mad at her for taking Giles' books because they need them to figure this out, like, now. And then she kind of starts telling Buffy that her slang is kind of worthless. Like, all this is bigger than vampires now, and how much can you actually do? We need more than you, Buffy. What's also interesting, too, like, in one respect, Joyce is right in that, like, she's killing vampires, but, like, vampires are still around. Her mom is just, like, so wrong, though, right? Like, Buffy has, like, literally saved the world once for sure, and she also stopped the master from rising, which arguably wouldn't have ended the world, but would have ended Sunnydale. We saw what happens to Sunnydale if she doesn't stop the master. Right. But also she's doing much more than stopping vampires. Like, vampires are basically putties at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Putties from Power Rangers. Right. She's stopping a couple of those every episode before she kills, like, the judge or whatever. Yeah. Like, there's usually some other thing that they're dealing with. I do like that Buffy references specifically saving the world from getting dragged into hell. Because that is the biggest accomplishment she has so far. It's a pretty big one. Yeah, Joyce. So Buffy leaves. She puts on one of her many long, light-colored coats. She definitely has two. That's that's too many coats for California. It's too, too many coats for California. And then we see the two dead, alive children just sitting at Joyce's table, reminding her that she needs to hurt the bad people who hurt them. So we know something's up now. It's not just Joyce's taking an interest in Buffy's slayage. It's Joyce's being, like, brainwashed. Yeah, of course. Joyce would never take an interest in Buffy unless she was being brainwashed. <laughs> So Buffy goes to the little playground where the children maybe died. An angel shows up. He's heard about what's going on because people have been talking to him. Who? We don't know. Where are you going, angel? (laughs) Just stay home, angel. you at the mall? And she kind of tells him all the stuff that her mom said. She's like, is Sunnydale any better off because of my efforts? I mean, evil just keeps coming back and it's maybe even getting worse. And then Angel reminds her that they have to keep fighting even though they can never win. She taught him that just last episode. I mean, I guess that's all nice. And then he's like, remember? And the first is still out there. And Buffy's like, I don't even remember who the fuck that is. That was an episode ago. We're done with that shit. Giles is in the library. He's in some kind of like watcher's chat room. And he's very upset with the internet. He's yelling at it and calling it a fad. He's eating. I know it sounds weird, but I'm a big fan of actors eating when they deliver their lines. Especially like a very proper character like him. Just like saying his lines through chips or whatever. 
After talking to Angel, Buffy's had a realization that nobody actually knows who these kids are. Like, where were their parents? What are their names? And then Oz somehow, like, pages Willow through her computer. Like, I guess this is possible. He messages her and her laptop beeps. I don't know. It just felt a little easy. I I guess that's a thing. If she had it just, like, closed but on, it would make a sound. I can't say this isn't something that could be set up. Yeah. She's grounded, but they all start instant messaging her, and she points them to some articles about two dead children who look just like these kids that have been, like, showing up all throughout history. Everyone's having a blast until Willow's mom busts in. Everyone's having a blast. Yeah, they're just, like, chatting. <laughs> looking at old articles in German. Giles has his snack. It's a party. Now Willow's mom believes she's a witch, like a real one. And Willow is just like honored that her mom has listened to her. But her mom's like, no, I'm going to let you go. Giles then remembers that there's this theory that fairy tales can be real sometimes. And that these two kids are probably just Hansel and Gretel. What was frustrating about that like plotline is that it doesn't really make sense because the fairy tale isn't true. Right. The witch isn't real. Right. I was going to ask, that means the kids were just making up the witch. Yeah. Well, I I guess it means, like, fairy tales are based in real life, so, like, Hansel and Gretel were real. But But no, Hansel and Gretel aren't real, though. They're demons. They're a demon pretending to be two children. Right. But, like, this thing happened. These children came and were like, oh, this witch, you know. So it's still a fairy tale, though. Like, it's like if, oh, yeah, that beanstalk story you've all heard is real. What really happened was a guy lied about going up a beanstalk. Right. But, like, Jack existed and told someone that that happened. Or Jack was a demon (laughs) and told people. Yeah, then the fairy tale's still not true. It's just there was a guy who lied about it one time. Baby, Giles says it all (laughs) makes sense now. (laughs) So it makes sense. Okay, so Hansel and Gretel were a demon. Who, Single demon. Who tells people that there's a big scary witch, and then the town rallies around the cute, cute children, so they hunt down the witch, repeat. Like, they probably caused Salem, and like you said, this means there was no Hansel and Gretel. It was just this demon. And this is also very similar to the Fear Street episode we were watching. It's weird. I know. Witch boy Michael comes in. Sounds like there are witch trials happening and they've gotten Amy. So everybody leaves. Michael hides in Giles' office. Willow's mom is taking her to the trials, but wants her to bring her coat. You know, that's important where she's going. Hansel and Gretel make Joyce and her friends chloroform Giles and Buffy. And then the children appear on the stairs and reassure Joyce she's doing the right thing. I do have a problem with Joyce being able to chloroform Buffy. Why? Because Buffy should be able to overpower her mother, like, without any effort whatsoever. Doesn't it happen so fast, though? Yeah, I I don't know. Like, as soon as someone put a cloth in my mouth, I'm not going to breathe in. Especially someone like Buffy who's, like, trained to fight. You'd think she would not do it. Whatever. It's a small complaint. Cordelia's realized how weird things are. So she's gone to Buffy's house for help and finds knocked out Giles. So she slapped him to wake him up. And then she points out what I've been saying this whole time, that Giles has been knocked out way too many times. And she says, one of these times you're going to wake up in a coma. And he's like, what? (laughs) Wake up in a coma? That was so funny. I'm sorry. It was just so funny. (laughs) Wake up in a coma. (laughs) He's like, shut up, Cordelia. We need to go save Buffy from Hansel and Gretel. (laughs) That was also very funny. They're fun together. I like when they pair them. So they're driving. Giles is practicing his German spell to make the demon appear in its true form. And he's telling Cordelia how to make this potion that they're going to use. So Willow, Buffy, and Amy are tied to witch burning stakes. And they're using Giles' books as like kindling. I don't know why they're doing this inside. Yeah, this is going to be bad for everyone. What? The smoke's going to fill that room up and the whole place is going to burn down. Like the whole town is in on this. Why not do it outside? Yeah. That doesn't make a lot of sense. Amy is like, fuck it. I'm a witch, everybody. And she does a spell to Peter Pettigrew herself into a rat and goes running away. 
Oz and Xander are together trying to find Willow. They get to the building where they're burning them and climb into the vents. You pointed out Oz should just be able to smell Willow. So I don't know why they're like looking everywhere. Yeah, he was in a car and like smelled her in the basement of a factory while they were driving by. Maybe miles like, away. Yeah, and here he's like, oh, maybe they're in there. Like, you should know, dude. Hansel and Gretel are there encouraging Joyce and everyone else to keep up what they're doing. Willow and Buffy are starting to catch on fire. Buffy's like, mom, how about we don't? She's like, no, sorry. I believe the ghost children. Giles and Cordelia arrive. Giles just rips a bobby pin out of Cordelia's hair to pick this lock to get into the room where they are burning people. Giles starts saying his German spell and then throws the potion at the children. They turn into a singular big ugly troll man. Cordelia's like, okay, I think I like the two little ones more than the big one. But she says it like a baby for some reason. (laughs) It was weird, right? I don't remember. She like says the word two like a little child. (laughs) It's bizarre. I feel like they have her deliver dumb airheady lines like that all the time, but she made a choice. Yeah. And Giles was right. This version of the demon is not as convincing as the cute little kids were, and the adults are all, like, immediately afraid. Buffy kills the demon by, like, bending the stake she's on, and it, like, punctures him as he runs towards her. I don't know why the top was pointy. That seems unnecessary, but handy. I thought that was funny. She's like, did I get it? Did I get it? Because she can't see. (laughs) And then Oz and Xander fall through the ceiling, and they're like... We're here to save you. (laughs) I love that because they're on this whole hero's journey. Like the whole time we're happy because they were going through some stuff and they're hanging out together trying to save Willow. (laughs) It's just not important. Didn't help. No. And then it ends with Buffy and Willow doing a spell at Willow's house. She says her mom doesn't care. She's doing that selective memory thing that Joyce used to do. It's kind of funny. They call out the show for that. And the spell that they're doing is to unrat Amy, but it doesn't work. So Amy's just a rat now. Yep. So that's it. My big question is, was there some kind of, like, curse happening, or was it just the cuteness of the children? I think it was, like, a glamour spell, and, and more than that. Like, the, I feel like the, they were all, like, sort of hypnotized. Okay, like the band candy. Yeah, because, like, there's no way that, like, Willow's mom was just gonna, like, I gotta kill Willow because two cute kids are around. Sure, but it did seem like as soon as they weren't cute, they were like, oh, wait, what are we doing? Well, I think the whole magical spell was broken. That not released, just the okay. glamour spell of seeing them as kids. Like, their whole mystique was ruined. I really think it's important to see a scene where Joyce apologizes for that. I know, right? Like, hey, mom, remember when you tried to burn me at a stake? <laughs> This episode has some huge problematic things. And I know, whatever. Monster of the Week. We forget it next week. But how do the people in this town not remember that this happened? I mean, I don't know what comes next, but this is exactly what Joyce was talking about. Like, this kind of stuff keeps happening. Yeah. So, yeah, they do maybe need to get rid of Giles' books if this is... I don't know. It's not like the teens in this town are reading Giles' books and doing this. It's just sort of like a evil thing that found the town. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. But yeah, like, Joyce needs to spend the rest of the seven seasons trying to get Buffy to forgive her for almost killing her. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously she's under a spell, so you would, like, forgive her. But, like, it would be hard to, like, trust your mother after that. Right. And Willow's mom also is maybe just a shitty mom. Yes. I I don't know that she was affected by the spell as much as Joyce. Yeah. After a point in the episode, she was. I'm also, it's hard for me to understand. I feel like the mayor should have known this was all happening. Yeah, when is he going to start doing something? Right, because, like, like, we've set up that the mayor is aware of these things. Mm -hmm. You know, when, like, Spike shows up, he knows, and he knew what Spike did last year, you know? Yeah. Maybe he even made a deal with that demon, I guess. That's possible. And he's like, yeah, do your thing, whatever. Did you think this was a good episode? No, I don't really think it was a good episode. I don't think it was like, oh my god, I hate this, but it it really wasn't good. 
for me, it was like just so clearly a monster of the week. So I was yeah. like, this is all whatever. They're not going to kill Buffy at the stake right now. So I like, don't care about any of this. Yeah. I think the problem for me was that the monster of the week is like a great opportunity to one, do inner personal drama. Mm-hmm. And two, let's make a ton of jokes. We can be super funny. We can spend a lot of this on jokes because we don't have to worry so much about plot. I think they tried to do that a bit with Xander. Like, yes. there's a lot of stuff I didn't mention because yeah. it really was barely there where Xander's sort of dealing with the fallout with Cordelia still. I didn't think any of those lines landed, honestly. No. Like, there's a scene where Buffy's looking for Willow and he's got this whole rant about how he's paying the price still and people don't trust him. I'm like, well, sorry. That's what you get. Yeah. He also had some, like, jokes. Like, when they're searching the lockers, he's got this whole thing about them finding his Playboys. I just didn't care. It wasn't that funny. Usually I feel like Xander does have good lines, but I feel like almost every joke he had just flopped this episode. He did have one line that was funny that we didn't mention when when they come up with the Hansel and Gretel. He makes like a Jack and the Beanstalk joke. Yeah. I thought that was okay. And Cordelia and Giles had those funny lines, but overall this wasn't a particularly funny episode. No. Just that Cordelia and Giles thing was mostly all that did it for me. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Like, the episode where Buffy's in the hospital wasn't that good of an episode, but they did some fun stuff with Angel and Xander in that one. Yeah. And Giles and Cordelia, actually. It wasn't that bad. No, it was entertaining, but it's just it's very forgettable. I had forgotten what about this episode. The Hansel and Gretel thing's kind of stupid. Yeah. Speaking of witches. Now for a special segment we like to call Meanwhile, Meanwhile on Charmed. Charmed is another popular WB show airing around the same time that neither of us has ever seen. But we're discussing it anyway. Based only on its IMDb summaries. Stacy, what happened this week on Charmed? Meanwhile in Charmed Season 3, Episode 11, Blinded by the White Lighter, the sisters must stop a warlock from executing his plan to steal specific powers from witches in his attempt to kill every white lighter in the world. Meanwhile, the girls get a new white lighter named Natalie. <laughs> is Natalie going to be okay? No. <laughs> So obviously, even though we haven't seen the show, we know what white lighters are. Well, we do know what dark lighters are. We've talked about that. Right. You remember, dark lighters are nice, funny people, but they suck all the light out of a room and make everyone bummed. Like an energy vampire, kind of. Right. So white lighters... Must be boring, dull people who really bring a lot of joy to the room. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So like you're at a party and things are going all right. You know, it's not that big of a deal. But then a white lighter shows up. Who's that girl? I don't want to talk to her. She seems boring. Also, it used to be dim in here and it's not as Tim anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. White lighters like make things better, but they don't draw attention to themselves. Yeah. Because they don't have much to say. They're they're just like simple, boring people. So this warlock is doing like his weird Pokemon plan. Gotta catch them all for the powers from white lighters. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I'm sure that's what the writers thought when they wrote this. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think some like specific white lighter powers are? Uh, levitate a pencil. Okay. Turn someone into a rat. Uh-huh. Brian, these are just Buffy things. Hey, well, there's witches in both, okay? Yeah, you're right. There's probably like eight different white lighter powers and he's trying to get all of them. And uh, he tries to get it from Natalie, but they stop him. That's pretty much all that happens, I think. And Natalie's special white lighter power is bringing people back from the dead. That's a pretty big white lighter Temporarily. power. Temporarily. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. They're not like super magic folk, but they, you know, if you combine their powers, Captain Planet style, you got a Levitating half-dead rat. <laughs> <laughs> that you can talk to for a little bit. Oh my God, I thought you were dead, but now you're a flying rat. You know. So this power is good if like, you know, you're going to have a big party at your house, right? Mm-hmm. But then your husband dies. Shoot. And you're like, oh shit, Party's like in an hour. Oh, I'll just bring my husband back to life with my white lighter power for the duration of the party. That way, like, we can still have the party. Uh, and then he can just be dead afterwards. Yeah. 
Or if like there's something super important you got to ask a dead relative. Yeah. Like, hey, where's the fine china? We're having this big ass party tonight. It's generally party related. Yeah. What do you think it means to have a white lighter? Like they just keep her like she's a foreign exchange student? Yeah, I think she just lives in the house in like white lights. Probably because they're not super good at any, you know, they're just like kind of good at one thing. Maybe she needs to like learn from other magical beings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She wants to be able to turn people into rats and shit too. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. This has been Meanwhile Uncharted. And then we watched Gilmore Girls. Brian, tell everyone about the coincidentally titled I Solemnly Swear. Okay, so this episode is about like three things, really. It's about Emily trying to get Lorelai to do a deposition for her about her treating her maids well. And also mainly about Rory dealing with the political fallout between Francie, her, and Paris, and student council. And also, thirdly, about Suki meeting an old friend and, like, having some very momentary relationship troubles with Jackson. Yeah, I'd already forgotten. All of that's very forgettable. Yeah. Okay. So the episode opens with, uh, I assume it's a Friday night dinner. They're at uh, Emily's house, and she is angrily on the phone. One of her ex-maids is suing her for wrongful termination. Apparently, Emily fired her because she was a clomper. Meaning she used to just, like, walk around super heavy-footed, I guess. So I don't know if she's the same woman that lives above us right now. Could be. So that's the setup. And Lorelai is sort of just like, huh, that sounds interesting, Mom. Uh, hmm. She can't believe this is the first time someone's sued her for wrongful termination. Yeah, and you can just tell that Lorelai's like, yeah, I mean, you do do that. You wrongfully terminate people all the time. She's like, well, I pay them a lot of money. They should do what I want them to do. I pay more than anyone. In a sense, Emily's right. She said she does pay more than anyone else. Yeah, I was kind of thinking that, actually. You know, if you're like, hey, I'm paying you a lot of money to do this service. It doesn't mean the working conditions are going to be great. No, I mean, that's why you're getting compensated a lot. Yeah, like, I know I'm difficult, but look what you get. Exactly. So with that in mind, it's kind of like, well, I mean, if she is paying them tons of money, then, like, that's fine. I think the only thing that you would have to argue is that she should be able to communicate to her employees, like, this is what I expect. And if you're a clomper, you should say, I expect you not to clomp. Yeah, I mean, did she ask her not to clomp? Obviously, Emily does fire all her maids, but I mean, she has the right to do it, I guess. I don't know. Do you think she knew Emily fired for clomping? Or do you think the woman's trying to say, like, she fired me because I'm German? I I don't know. They never really said. But it's kind of funny when at the end, like, she's got a new maid, Brooke. And she's like, Laura, I listened to that when Brooke walks away. And Laura's like, well, I don't hear anything. She's like, exactly. (laughs) I beat her earlier. (laughs) She'll never clomp. We do get to see the former maid, and it's just a Clydesdale, so it's kind of like, well. That's not true. At the end, Suki is fighting Jackson over produce. I think Jackson is right, but, you know, whatever. He brought her a different vegetable than she wanted, and he argues that the vegetable you want is just not ripe yet. If I brought it to you, it just, like, wouldn't be good, so I brought something that is good because otherwise it's going to ruin your meal. He is right. She would have been mad if he brought her shitty Brussels sprouts. Yeah. I mean, it sucks that, you know, but it's like, if it's not ripe, it's not right. Or he could have even been like, I found a different supplier for you for this if you need it. He brought her pea tendrils? I've never heard of that. Yeah. What he pulled out of the box, I had never seen in my life. It looked like a leafy green. It is very different than a Brussels sprout. I'll say that. But there's really nothing like a Brussels sprout. Yeah. 
So, but the fight is short lived, and they like kiss right afterwards. Lorelai calls it a hug for some reason. Yes. Um, <laughs> Her and Michelle are watching this. They say it always ends with a hug. Like there wasn't a hug though. Yeah, was this shot like years apart? Michelle, by the way, is loving watching this. Uh, but Lorelai is going over some stuff with Michelle because she's leaving him in charge because she has a one day bed and breakfast opening class at the learning center, which is just like a hotel conference room. I, I don't really understand that there's a whole class on opening B and B's. I guess that's a thing because if you remember, her side project is to open a B and B with Suki. Yeah, they touch back on that when there's nothing else going on in an episode. Meanwhile, at school, Paris is going through the suggestion box for student council, and she's very disappointed with everything that's inside of it. Side note, when I was on the student paper at the Madison Area Technical College, we put a suggestion box out, and someone put a cigarette butt in it. That was the only suggestions we got. It was very uh, disappointing. We find out that Paris is upset about the secret meeting, but she's not upset with Francie about it. She's upset with the advisor, Mr. Hunter. She blames him for all of this. But she isn't that upset because she was able to negotiate down the price of the mansion to like half price. So she's still able to afford the telescope. That's so interesting. I feel like they're trying this season to really like show us that Paris isn't a monster. Right. (laughs) She's just like hyper focused. I know when you were like hating Paris so much, I was like, I don't remember hating Paris and everyone loves Paris. So something must change. They did though. The writing for her has changed substantially this season. Yeah. She used to just kind of be an angry, loud, mean lady. Yeah, I mean, and we never saw any, she, we didn't see any good she was doing. It just seemed, like, selfish. And I don't know that it was wrong before. They just didn't round her out. Yeah. I don't know that her character changed at all. I think we're just seeing more of her. Right, I just think the writers are trying to be like, hey, she is a lot, but she is a good person, though. It's, she's not just a narcissist. Rory tries to tell her that Francie's the real problem, but Paris is like, no, she's harmless. Don't worry about her. Then at the meeting, they're trying to figure out where they want to have their blood drive. The sign-up table for the blood drive. You're right. The sign-up table for the blood drive. What's really funny here is that, like, Madeline, some people are, like, scared of blood, but, like, she's scared of the word blood, I guess. It's, like, almost making her throw up. So She she screams. Yeah. She screams at the word blood. So she has to, like, hum or, like, kind of sing to herself the entire meeting. That was very funny to me. That reminds me, you said you were watching an old John Oliver clip, and he, like, brought up the revival? Yeah, I was at work. I'm working from home right now. So I was, like, working, but I had YouTube up on my TV, and it was playing, like, John Oliver clips. And an old one came up when he just starts complaining about the Gilmore Girl <laughs> revival. I don't know why, but I didn't, I didn't have the remote near me, so I couldn't, like, turn it off. So I started just, like, humming to myself very loudly to not get spoiled. But anyway, Francie suggests they hold it in the cafeteria. And then Rory just is, like, opposed to it immediately. Like, no, we shouldn't do it. It, There's health hazards. And she's doing this, obviously, because she has decided that Francie is her enemy and she wants to make life harder for her. Yeah. I think it's funny because it's not even the blood drive. Like, that would be weird to have in the cafeteria. It's just where they're going to sign up for it. Yeah. It's like, no. Absolutely not. But they ultimately side with Rory and shoot down Francis' thing. So Rory gets, she wins the battle. But is she going to win the war? Well, we'll find out. There's like a joke in here I didn't get. Paris like makes a comment to the advisor and she calls him like Mr. Christian. I mean, Mr. Hunter. I don't, did she just call him the wrong name to be mean? I think she's just calling him the wrong name to be mean. I was like, is Mr. Christian like a reference to some traitor or something like that? Shitty advisor? (laughs) I, I just didn't get that. So back at the Gilmore house, Lorelai and Rory both have a bag of mystery food from Al's Pancake Diner, which is the place that has a bunch of weird food instead of breakfast food, as you might expect. 
Um, I guess this is a tradition where they just look inside their bag and they're going to eat whatever it is. And they think it's Moroccan. They have a bite and Rory's like, this is not Moroccan. And they decided they're going to go to Luke's instead. They're just abandoning the food. But before that, on the answering machine is a message from Emily's lawyer saying, hey, you should do a deposition about how great your mother is. And Lorelai's like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. But then she gets her mother on the phone and Emily's like, yeah, you should do this for me, please. Lorelai's like, I'm not going to lie for you. And Emily's like, lie for me? What do you mean? I've done so much for you your whole life. Please do this one thing for me. So Lorelai's like, fine, I'll do it. Then we move ahead to whenever they go to the learning center. And this is just the most boring B&B opening seminar in the world. This dude has got the most monotone voice I've ever heard. They made one of those cootie catchers is what they call it. Is, did you know what that was called? I've heard the term before, but we just called them fortune tellers. It's that little triangle thing that you can move with your fingers. The guy gets mad at them for doing that. But part of me is like, they paid. They can do whatever the hell they want. They're adults. <laughs> like, they paid you to be here. You suck. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes, it's disrespectful, but like... At the end of the day, like, they don't have to listen to you. So then at the end of this, like, super monotone, super boring, basically useless class, they then try to, like, pitch them properties they can buy to open their B&Bs, which, like, really pisses off Lorelai and Suki. So they're just like, okay, we're done. I don't know. I feel like that's useful. I mean, I, I agree, but also I feel like they should say, hey, we have a bunch of properties if you're willing, if you want to hang out. Sure. Um, otherwise, you know, the class is over because it is a little predatory. They didn't pay to have someone try to sell them stuff at the end. Sure. Because they're like, we already know what place we're going to buy. But last I checked, they couldn't buy the place they want to buy. Yeah, that is confusing. I don't understand what their plan is right now. Right. Like, maybe you should check these out. Okay, in my notes, I have outside shit bad. I don't know what that is. No, I do know what it is. So they go out in the hallway and they grab some cookies and the cookies suck, obviously. I don't know how you mess up cookies, but apparently this place did. But while they're out there, two guys come out who are coming from a different seminar, and one of them recognizes Suki. It's Joe from Deer Hill Lodge. We've never been there, but apparently Deer Hill Lodge is where Suki also worked. Yeah, they're just like old co-workers from when they were young. It sounds like they were kind of kids almost. Yeah, they were like fledgling chefs at that point. And they are just like hitting it off, reminiscing immediately. Just like, oh my God, you remember Bung and Felch? The weirdest named people. <laughs> I think it was Felch. It's like Feldman. Okay, but Bung was the name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All these inside jokes. Meanwhile, Joe's friend Alex, who's an attractive tall guy, is standing there next to Lorelai, kind of like, well, I don't know what to talk about. They seem to be catching up. It's immediately clear this is going to be a love interest for Lorelai. Like, there's no doubt in my mind, even if it's just like a one episode thing. Otherwise, it's like, what is he doing there? Yeah. They make it very clear he's straight. Yeah. It's a little weird how much they make that clear. <laughs> like, we're partners. Business types. Lorelai starts, like, pretending to reminisce with him. And it takes him a second to catch on, which I thought was kind of weird. That he's like, wait, what? I don't know you. And she's like, oh, play along. And then he's like, oh, okay. And then she's like, blah, blah, blah. And then remember that time I made you kiss what's-his-face? And he's like, yeah, I don't remember that. I would never kiss a man. I I'm only... straight. <laughs> like, we wouldn't have thought he was gay. We didn't need to, like, spell it out so hard. Yeah. Maybe we wanted to make it clear that Suki's friend was straight. Yeah. Maybe that's important. Maybe. But Suki and Joe decide that they're going to go to like an old co-worker's new restaurant. In they, Hartford. Yes. They're like, we're going to go. Let's go give him a hard time. And then they're like, oh, this will be so fun. Someday in the future. Not today. Yes. So the two guys leave. And then Suki turns to Lorelai and is like, oh, my God, 
you knew each other too? <laughs> I thought that was funny. Yeah, she bought Lorelai's jokes. Then we're back at the school, and it's school lunchtime, and Paris is super mad about the gravy because she didn't get enough, and it got added to the wrong stuff. I don't remember why. She I think just... it was on her asparagus or something. So she's going to go talk to the lunch ladies about it. Then a paper airplane flies over to Rory, and she opens it up, and it says, we need to meet. You say where? So she writes it down, and then I guess it throws it back. Did Rory write creepy parking garage? Yeah, right? Where even is this? Is it part of the school? I guess it could be. So she goes to, the next scene's at a parking garage, and this is clearly supposed to be making fun of Deep Throat. Not the porno, the famous porno deep throat. Or just the general maneuver. <laughs> maneuver? I don't know. What do you call Technique? Pastime? What is... It's called birthday present. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, it, making fun of uh, from all the president's men. And the real thing that happened. Yeah, and the real thing that happened. <laughs> but this scene was from the old, old president's men, where it was a reporter meeting with a guy who was talking about Richard Nixon. Francie just like appears and is like, hey, you know what? I'm sorry about that stuff with Paris. I just want to take it easy the rest of the semester. I don't want to have to worry about grudges. Can we just like be like sort of friends and bury this hatchet? That way we're not fighting. And Rory's kind of like, all right, fine. We could be sort of friends. She doesn't seem to completely trust it, but she shakes her hand. Then a car alarm goes off and she turns around. And when she turns back, Francie's gone like Batman. (laughs) Weird. She's like, stop doing that, which is. A line from Batman. Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah, but like now, I, this came out before Batman. From like Dark Knight? I forget which Batman, but it's from one of them. Huh. Then back at the end, Lorelai's stressing out about this deposition, not wanting to do it. Michelle is trying to assure her it's no big deal. He had to do it once, and he was totally honest, maybe, wink, wink. No, he definitely didn't kill his neighbor's dog. And, but uh, he did. did. He definitely did. What a big character reveal. Yeah. Also, I get it, man. <laughs> Our neighbor's... Even doing this podcast, this just happens so much. But you would never kill a dog. I would never kill a dog, but I would, like, fantasize about it. Sure, but it's big that this man has killed a dog. I won't forget that. Yeah. I'm going to stop yelling, killed a dog, since the neighbor's in the hallway with their dog. Yeah, I know. But then, Joe, he just shows up, and he's like, oh, I'm here to see Suki. And he goes in the kitchen, and then immediately just starts, like, cooking? Yeah, he just starts adding stuff to whatever she's making without asking what it is. I mean, I guess he's a chef. Maybe we don't understand chefs, and chefs just know what to add to things. But it's weird if it was like, hey, this is a dinner you're having, but it's like you're cooking for other people. Like, there's, like, safety regulations that you're violating right now. Yeah, no one else in the kitchen is like, who's this guy? First off, doesn't wash his hands. Immediately starts handling food. Also, like, maybe the person's allergic to cilantro, so don't add cilantro. You know, like, he just starts adding stuff, which is like, that's really not okay. I mean, from Lorelai's perspective, that's just, like, not okay. But she doesn't see it, so it's fine. Yeah. Apparently, this is the day that they're going to Hartford to go to that guy's restaurant. But I don't know why this guy came to the inn. Yeah. The inn is not in Hartford. Why would they just... picking her up? But, like, they're half hour from Hartford. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they don't say that. But then he goes on and says something about, I keep thinking about how we should have dated, and I'm so glad to have a second chance. And then Suki's like, what the what? And so she runs out to go talk to Lorelai. Who's on the phone. So Suki pantomimes something to her. Yeah, I don't, it looks sort of like Pepe Le Pew, maybe? <laughs> I don't know what she's trying to say. We do this all the time. We're, like, brushing our teeth. We'll try to pantomime because we can't talk. But we're very good at it. We are. But she's like, was I being flirty? And... Lorelai's like, no, you were talking about bung. There's no way to be flirty when you're talking about bung. 
But also Suki's like, but I have my ring. Oh, I'm not wearing my ring. And we had been thinking about this. Yeah, like it's on this dude to check if she's wearing a ring. But she takes her ring off when she cooks, I guess, which isn't that crazy. I've heard of that. And we checked and she didn't have her ring on when she was at that conference, which is a little weird. Yeah, because she said she takes it off when she cooks. She didn't say I take it off when I go to classes where I'm going to think about my future as a cook. So she's like, hey, uh, I hate to tell you this, but I'm sort of like married a little bit. And he's like, oh, I feel so stupid. She's like, no, 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 here's some money. Which was like, why are you giving him money? <laughs> what? what the hell? Uh, and he's like, no, let's just do this another time. And we talked about this, like, why don't they still just do it? But I guess it's a, you might want to run it by Jackson first. But also it might just be like a way for him to have an out because he might feel a little awkward about it. Yeah. Like he basically confessed that he loved her just a minute ago. Yeah. Then we get a quick scene outside, nice winter scene of Lorelai and Rory walking to Luke's, and they pass a snowman, and you and I are both like, that Uh-oh. snowman's clearly styrofoam, <laughs> and as soon as you touch it, it's just gonna like wobble like snowmen never do, but they put a hat on it. It's almost like they got notes, like, hey guys, let's make the snowman look a little more real. <laughs> I will say that that snowman should not exist. There's way too little snow around for it to have been that big. But it holds its weight when they put that hat on it. It doesn't wobble. No. Great job, snowman people. But also, you need more snow to make snowmen. As they're walking, Rory's giving Lorelai, like, practice questions for the deposition, and Lorelai just, like, cannot say nice things about her mother. But when they get to Luke's, Luke's like, we're out of food because Jess did the ordering, and he didn't order anything, so I got to go to the grocery store. And this is kind of a funny scene. They start telling Luke things that they want from the store, and then Lorelai's just like, floss, paper towel, people magazine. We're very hungry. (laughs) Yeah. It honestly felt like this scene was just to make sure Luke was in this episode. Yeah, I was going to say this scene just seemed very unnecessary. I was trying to remember if Luke was even in this one, and I think that was it. It was just like, we got to have Luke in here, and we got to remind everybody that Jess is sort of a fuck up. Yeah, and fix our snowman issues. We've gotten letters. (laughs) Someone made a mean TikTok about us. In the future, I saw it, Marty. Then we get a couple of school scenes, and we start in the school bathroom where Francie is having a meeting with Paris. She walks in, Paris is washing her hands with some soap she brought from home. (laughs) She just, like, pops the soap into her purse, and we can see that it's not the school soap. Yeah, I was like, she either stole the soap, but no, there's there's soap containers on the wall. Yeah. That's a very fun detail. Yeah, I agree. Francie is like, oh, Paris, I just want to let you know that I thought all these things you did were so good. She's, like, really just sucking her dick here. That's what I wrote down. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, you're the best. You're so good at everything. Hey, I've got some bad news for you. Rory met with me and, like, wants to work against you. She's trying to undermine you by teaming up with me, and I don't want any part of it, but I thought you should know. Here are some photos someone took of us. That's a red flag, right? Like, even if what Francie was saying were true, why did someone photograph it? Yeah. yeah. And it's not like today where like any old person could be like, huh, I know them. I've got my phone on me. I'll take a quick digital photo. Yeah. These are like the photos like when you hire a private detective to see if your wife's cheating on you. And then he's like, I've got the photos. Like, that's what this is. And Paris is obviously pretty upset about this. Yeah. And she mentions that Rory said that Paris is too wrapped up in her boyfriend to care about student counsel. Yeah. In the next scene, it's P.E., and I guess they're fencing. Does your school have a fencing section? No, but my school didn't have this much money. Yeah, that's true. I took fencing privately for fun, but I don't... I can't imagine. This seems like dangerous to have swords at a school. Aren't they fake? They are. They are fake. But like, you, you're right. They could. You can't stab someone with them, but you can like whip them really hard at people. Louise has rollers in her hair for some reason in this scene. <laughs> I didn't even just notice. Like that. in her ponytail. Maybe that was a trend I wasn't a part of. Just some midday rollers in her hair during gym class. 
So Rory and Paris, they're partnered. They're fencing. Rory's like, it's kind of crazy that we're doing a sport that used to be about how people killed each other. And Paris gets real intense very quickly and starts fighting her, like, really aggressively. Immediately, though, I'm watching this as someone who's taking, like, one course in fencing. And I'm like, your fencing is very bad, guys. <laughs> but obviously, that's not the point of the scene. It's because a student is teaching it. There, there is a teacher, but she's like, you, lead the class. And then one of the students just starts giving commands. Well, as we learned in Buffy, oftentimes a student will just teach classes. <laughs> and is that part of fencing, that one of the people learning it has to tell everyone what to do? Yeah, 100%, yeah. I don't think so. But Paris is just, like, fighting her very aggressively and then, like, knocks her down and is like, I met with Francie and she told me about you guys meeting. And Rory starts being like, no, 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 it's not what you think. Francie is trying to play you. I met with her because, you know, she was trying to work against you. And Paris is like, don't you know I know that? I know that she was trying to play me. I can tell when someone's trying to play me. I'm just upset that you met with her behind my back at all. Which is true. Rory did. And it it is a little true that Rory should have probably told Paris. And she's mad that she told her about the boyfriend. I'm confused about that. The last thing, she, two things she says are like, I can't believe I consider you my best friend. Which was like, heartstring pulley. I made that into uh, an adjective. <laughs> but also she's like, I can't believe you told her about Jamie. But... As far as I remember, Francie knew about Jamie all along. I don't know how she found out, but she definitely saw with her own eyes that Paris was with him. Yeah, like, she says to Rory that, like, oh, Paris just seems too wrapped up in her boyfriend to care about stuff, like, several episodes ago. I think Rory maybe does elaborate on Jamie a bit, or she's, she, like, defends Paris for having a boyfriend. Yeah, I mean, maybe, I don't remember the dialogue specifically, maybe, like, she did tell her a little bit, I don't know, but, like... Also, why is Jamie a secret? Yeah, yeah, it shouldn't matter. And if he is a secret, did Rory know he was a secret? You know what I mean? Like, it'd be oh, you know what? Paris did tell Rory not to tell anyone about Jamie. Oh, did she? Yeah, she told her not to tell Madeline Louise mm. after like that first time where they went on a date when he came to visit, and she's like, "It's going really well." She did tell her mm. not to tell anyone. I forgot about that. At least Madeline Louise. I can't remember if she said tell no one, but I feel like it's implied. Because I thought it was weird that she would say that. Like, why not tell anyone? Probably just to set up this moment. Yeah. I mean, that must have been the idea. But also Francie saw. So Rory could have come back with that. So now things are going to go poorly for Rory. And you can tell in the next scene at school, at the cafeteria, they are doing the blood drive sign up now there. So I guess that motion was reinstituted, I guess. It brought back up and passed. But also a paper airplane flies over to Rory and it says just leper inside. And she's back to her loner cafeteria ways. Yeah. She has no friends anymore. No. Except for Dean. Good old Dean. He's just a friend. Then it's Friday night dinner, and Emily has got a copy of Lorelai's deposition. She just is like, you know what I thought we could do tonight? It's just read this deposition. And it's very funny because all of the stuff that is quoted as stuff that Lorelai said is stuff that Lorelai definitely would say. Yeah, it's funny just to hear Emily, like, deliver Lorelai lines, actually. Yeah. In, like, a reading voice. She says something about, like, squash. Hmm, do you guys play squash? You guys look like people who play squash. That was funny. She still has the same maid, though. But we never find out if Emily won her case. That's true. And then at Suki's, she's got Creedence Clearwater playing and has, like, made all of Jackson's favorite dishes. And he's super excited until he's like, wait, Creedence Clearwater? Why would you play that? You don't love them. And he's like, you cheated on me! (laughs) That was funny. He's such a baby. He is a baby. I don't remember him being such a baby. He's a bit of a baby, too, though. Yeah, I mean, they're just kind of cartoons. Yeah. But it's whatever. It's funny. She's like, no, I flirted accidentally. (laughs) If something like this happened, I would be like, what's going on? What did you do? I wouldn't be like, you cheated. Yeah, or 
This is nice. Thank you. <laughs> no, if you were playing Creedence Clearwater, I would know. Well, if I ever cheat, I'll play it. Okay. Oh, no. I mean, these two exist to be funny sea stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The final scene is at home. Rory kind of just updates her mom on what's going on with her at school. But then there's a phone call. And who is it? Who would have guessed? It's Alex. Of course it's Alex. We knew Alex was going to call, right? I mean, writing was on the wall. And this was actually very funny, too, because he's like, uh, yeah, I got your number because I called the inn. Some guy named Michelle just, like, gave me your home phone number without me even asking and said, like, it's fine to call late. Call any hour. Like, four in the morning. Yeah. And he's like, I'm starting a coffee shop, and I'd like to try coffee at different places to, like, get inspired. I'd love to have another person come with me to, like, give me their opinion. She's like, I'm a coffee expert. This sounds great. I'd love to come. And then he's like, just to be clear, because of what happened to my friend Joe, this is a date. She's <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I know. And then they just, like do coffee shop pun names back and forth and it zooms out the window and it's like oh things are good yeah it was cute and flirty yeah so that's the episode stacy do you think it was a good one no it's it's all so forgettable regardless of what happens with lorelei and this man that conference meet cute wasn't super memorable yeah there's nothing with jess or dean which is like the big season yeah. arc the stuff with emily and lorelei was a little funny in places but i don't know that would felt like filler I don't know. I like that there's a school arc. Yeah. Because I don't know that they've done that super well in other seasons. Right. But I mean, I don't like to see that they're fighting now. I don't know. It just wasn't that interesting or funny. Yeah. It's just all forgettable. Very forgettable. There's funny jokes, but it was just sort of a I'm there episode. Yeah. Wasn't bad. I think there's been worse episodes where I like actively hated things they did. Yeah. Like the road trip to Harvard and the Cheshire Cat. Yeah. This wasn't like that, but nothing made me impressed. What do you think? Um. Yeah, I, what you said, forgettable, but it did have some funny lines in it. It also had stuff that irritated me, like that guy coming in and just like cooking. And I was like, the guy who wrote this definitely is not a chef. He's like, oh, this is how I think chefs are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he comes in and they got this rapport. Yeah, 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 yeah. Put it in the show. That's Amy Palladino's voice. <laughs> Put it in the show. Do it. So, Brian, which episode do you think was better? I think I'm going to go Gilmore Girls. And the only reason is I think it just had more funny jokes or more jokes that landed. I don't think it was, like, a great episode. I also don't think it was a terrible episode of Buffy, but I just feel like Gilmore had funnier jokes this time. That's a good point. It also had the Paris, like, you're my best friend, which is, like, a little bit of an emotional thing. And Buffy didn't really have any emotional thing at all. Buffy did have some funny lines, though. I just want to make that clear. Buffy had some funny ones, but it just wasn't overall that funny. Yeah, I'm torn. My original instinct was to say Buffy, just because I think it was a more entertaining episode. You can say Buffy, man. We can disagree against what we would expect. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I think maybe Buffy overall was maybe more entertaining. Mm-hmm. But it was just kind of bad. Like, the monster of the week was stupid. Yeah. And it wasn't funny. So I, I think I'm also going to go Gilmore. God damn it. I feel like I convinced you to go Gilmore. I think you did. But it wasn't like I knew it was Buffy. Maybe because I hadn't seen Buffy, I was more interested in it, watching it. Where Gilmore Girls, I was like, none of this is important. This is stupid. Skip this one. (laughs) You know? Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think Gilmore Girls was funnier. The Michelle jokes were really funny. And I like that we're playing with Rory and Paris' relationship. (laughs) But really, both, you could do so much better. Okay, Gilmore Girls. All right, we did it. We made a choice between these two very mediocre episodes. If you want to watch along next week, we'll be watching Gilmore Girls Season 3, Episode 12, Lorelei Out of Water. It's like fish out of water, but Lorelei. Mm-hmm. As well as Buff the Vampire Slayer Season 3, Episode 12, Helpless. It's like that song from Hamilton. In the meantime, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the episodes discussed in this podcast. Like, did your high school have fencing? Do you think J.K. Rowling stole all this for her book? Is your mind not blown? 
Giles is just wrong, right? Like, those fairy tale stories aren't based on real. It's based on someone lying about something. Why do they burn them inside? Willow's mom is, like, too much, right? You're, like, too tall. Too tall. What animal would you turn yourself into to escape from being burned at the stake? Let us know. You can reach out to us by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Gilmore Slayer, where we post all kinds of interactive and behind-the-scenes content. If you're enjoying our podcast, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or a comment on CastBox. We love hearing from you, and it really helps our podcast get discovered by even more Buffy and Gilmore fans. And if you leave a review, we'll give you a shout-out on an upcoming podcast. For even more comedy content not related to the podcast, follow us at Brian and Stacy. That's Brian with a Y, Stacy with an EY. That's right. We also make comedy sketches, play board games, and review movies in a similar style to our podcast. For all that and more, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called Brian and Stacy. If social media is not your thing, you can send us an email at brianandstacyreviews at gmail.com. The mayor. Are you, are you okay? The mayor. You keep whispering the mayor. California. Why'd you say California? <laughs> <laughs> Buffy the Gilmore Slayer.